0: Welcome to the ByteRabbit podcast, where we talk about WebXR, that's VR and AR on the web. My name is Jonathan, one of the founders of ByteRabbit.
1: Hi, my name is Florian. I'm the other founder of White Rabbit and a WebXR game developer.
0: And my name is Darius, intern and WebXR developer at ByteRabbit. Hi and welcome back to our discussion about optimization and best practices for web VR. Uh note that not all of these actually also apply to web AR, but definitely to web VR because in web VR frame rate is more important than looks. Just in general, because a smooth experience always feels way better than if you have great rendered uh, whatever newest rendering technologies at five frames per second, which just feels awful. We were talking about level of detail last, which uh, you can go into more detail for now.
1: So, uh, how it works is there's also possibilities to automatically generate LEDs in most engines. There's an A-Frame component like there's for everything else an LOD component for A-Frame, but it's not necessarily supported as well. So I'm not going to say how good it is, as I have not used it in any of my experiences, but using it in Unity, I can say that the LOD system there is basically a component that selects which mesh is being currently displayed, depending on what the distance of the it has to the camera. So it either takes a mesh and automatically generates an LOD by reducing the vertex count and keeping the UEs in the same UE space or it uses manual created meshes to put at certain levels of quality depending on what level the system currently wants them to be displayed at.
0: Yeah so if objects are further away you obviously don't need as much detail. So you, you display a mesh, a version of your mesh, that is with reduced detail. And if you don't have a fancy engine that does that automatically for you, generates these like lower uh, resolution meshes or lower detail meshes, uh, then you can still almost automatically do it in Blender where there's the, like, the Decimate modifier. And while the Decimate modifier with the default settings maybe doesn't do exactly what you want, you can like play around with it and usually you can get pretty decent results with uh, really low effort. So.
1: That's true. That's definitely the way to go. If you're making it manually, just use Decimate and set it to level higher than 1 and 2 most likely. Because you do want a reduction that is in some way profitable for your performance. So you don't want to have 5 vertices less. That doesn't really do anything. You might want to have 100 less for objects that are instanced a lot.
0: Oh, instancing, we haven't talked about yet.
1: Exactly. That's something that we can go into now. So instance meshes is a way to display the same object in a scene that you have like 100 instances of. But Jonathan can explain how the GPU can actually improve rendering on this.
0: Yeah, so if you have like a tree and you want 10,000 trees and literally instancing allows you to go for dimensions like that, 3 actually recently got support for uh, instancing. So you can actually use that probably in A-Frame by now too. Instancing works by telling the GPU, okay, render these 10,000 objects with these 10,000 different transformations but use the mesh you already have. So it's one instruction to render 10,000 objects where rendering them independently would really put a lot of load on the CPU just generating the instructions to tell the GPU render number one with this transformation, render number two with this transformation. It's way easier to just say render 10,000 objects with these transformations and you're done.
1: That's also how most engines do particles that have huge amount of particles like 10,100, Thousand, fifty thousand particles.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Those impressive videos you see, they don't just use one hundred thousand game objects that just move or polygons. They use instancing, and that's how they get these results. So, that's pretty good.
0: So yeah, um, instancing obviously puts a lot of load on the GPU because it's a huge draw call versus level of detail kind of reduces the load that the GPU has to do because it has to process less vertices. Another way to reduce the load of the GPU rather than the CPU is to use a simpler shader and using simpler shaders usually means you just ditch the PBR rendering that looks super super fancy but uses a lot of performance and instead go for something simpler like Phong lighting which is how back in the days people used to do it. It's, it doesn't look as great and it needs a bit more tweaking to get it work for a certain lighting condition. But if you have static lights and you don't need change of daylight or whatnot, and you can actually optimize and tweak your materials for one specific lighting scenario, then foam lighting should give you great results and you should be able to get something for way cheaper performance-wise than when using PBR.
1: Especially when you want to have a larger scene, Fong lighting does have a lot of benefits and you can also use stylization and baking to get really good visual results in fang lighting environments than you necessarily need in PBR. So, PBR, what you need for PBR is definitely for more realistic, more naturalistic visual styles that you want to achieve. But you need to be aware that the cost of having that many texture information or that high of a resolution usually just might not be viable for your scene.
0: Yeah, and Fong-based assets are way easier to author. Right, because for PBR you usually need a roughness texture and a albedo texture and a
1: specular texture. Uh, Roughness, metallic, and albedo is usually the
0: yeah, exactly. That's there's like two workflows: roughness, uh, albedo, metallic, and then roughness, specular, albedo. Yeah. Yeah, and. Obviously, you need more textures, you usually need special special applications to do that, like Substance Painter, for example, allows you to author this type of textures. Unless you have objects that do not use textures at all, it's probably a lot harder to author these multiple textures than just to go with a phong lighting approach which allows you to like which has a little bit more intuitive maybe more artistic way of defining materials.
1: what you can also obviously do if you authored a great texture and substance painter is for example is to bake all the information into your texture but you can also instead of just baking texture information to optimize a scene you can also take the scene and bake the lights into the textures of the object
0: yeah Lights means ambient occlusion, shadows, and like really everything and the entire lighting. You can just pre-compute the lighting into the texture. That's the baking process, so to speak. And then you can act as if you have like an actual shadow casting light in the scene, but instead you just stored or drew onto the texture where that shadow has been cast, so to speak. And you can obviously spend way more time calculating those shadows as a pre-processing step than calculating them in real time, right?
1: Yeah, and A-Frame also has certain components to use baked ambient occlusion and things like that. So definitely check them out.
0: Yeah, but those bake at load time, right? So it actually defers your loading step uh, or it makes your loading quite a lot. I mean, you
1: can technically export the textures too. So that's also a possibility. Maybe
0: get them in your Gulp pipeline.
1: But I definitely do it in Blender and it works pretty fine. Yeah. So there are definitely a lot of tutorials explaining how to bake lights into your scene.
0: Exactly, yeah. You can also bake normal maps, but in VR more normal maps sadly don't work right. Normal maps are basically a illusion where you create the illusion of more detail on a surface by just more or less uh, encoding the surface in the directions of its like faces per pixel. This doesn't really work in VR because it's a rough approximation and it is an illusion, but it might work still if you use it for very, very, very small detail. So like as a detail roughness texture, kind of, for example, the first instance of where I saw this work really, really well was the Oculus cinema demo back in the Oculus DK1 days where they actually used normal maps for the leather roughness basically so you'll have like this leathery texture on the seats of the cinemas and that was encoded in a normal map and that looked really really cool because it actually looked like it was full geometry but it wasn't. But for bigger details which work great in classic video games using normal maps there it doesn't actually work that well in in VR because the illusion breaks. Okay guys, thanks for listening to part two of our discussion about optimization. We'll continue this conversation in the next episode.